What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Hindsightless, the occasional podcast where I talk about life, role-playing games, or whatever else might be running around inside of my head. But mostly role-playing games. I promise. I am so excited to bring you all this episode. I got a bunch of call-ins from some totally rad folks, and each one of their stories either highlights a dungeon theme or gives you that feeling for what it would be like to be down in the thick of things. And I think there's some really useful information in here, folks. Some inspiration, some world-building ideas. And I debated on how I wanted to present the episode because each one of these stories is just rad in and of themselves. I went back and forth with myself all day on how I wanted to present this episode. And so I'm just doing this. I'm going to play all these amazing messages. Boom, boom, boom. And then I'm going to talk about them at the end. I think that's the best way. We'll see if y'all like it. Anyway, let's get into it. Joe, it's Rob from Down in a Heap. Sorry, I've been a little bit behind listening to podcasts, but I just listened to your one a couple ago where you were asking for people's stories about being in like dungeon environments. And yeah, I was pretty dumb, pretty dumb kid, pretty dumb young adult. As kids, we used to go sewer walking, go into storm sewers. We'd, uh, we'd kind of gear up we'd fire like bottle rockets down there to scare off rats and stuff and go in crouching down with flashlights and um knives and all kinds of things we thought we needed and stuff and it was echoey as hell it felt like you were duck walking for miles and miles and you probably only went a couple hundred yards and you almost got lost and yep rats but that really wasn't enough to satisfy me, I guess. I was still still dumb in my 20s. We, uh, yeah, we graduated to sewer walking around the Mississippi River and underneath the streets in southeast Minneapolis around the, the campus, the University of Minnesota campus. And those sewers are extensive. And there are little rooms inside there. And we went so far that we figured, well, we could probably get back to where we went, but... Yeah, we're drunk. It's two in the morning. Let's just pop up and open a manhole cover. And sure enough, we <laughs> we climb out uh, in the middle of a intersection and uh, close up the manhole cover, <laughs> head back to the to the house and have a few more beers. Um, and there's more. So also down by the U campus, there was uh, this old abandoned grain elevator called the Bungie Building. And we'd break into that and uh, with flashlights and stuff. Of course, after a night of drinking, it, <laughs> it always involved a lot of drinking, and which was, you know, I don't know if we were drunk luck or what, but we'd climb around on the catwalks and go up, you know, stories and stories and... Uh, delve around it was really creepy shadowy like the sewers it was echoey as hell um it was very spooky um you're kind of jumping at everything there all of a sudden there'd be like a flurry of pigeons that we'd wake up and it would startle you and uh, looking back on how dumb it was back in i think it was maybe like five years ago 
some girl fell to her death off one of those catwalks doing the same dumb things I was doing. So. so it occurs to me that the messages I left were pretty useless, just basically being drunken idiot stories. So the, the takeaway was how difficult it was to see and seeing past people staying in front of you, even with flashlights. It was, I mean, think what it would be like with torches and lanterns. And uh, hearing things were really hard. Uh, it was, like I said, echoey. The, the noise that you and the people around you were making was basically drowned out anything else. Your sense of time and distance seemed really warped. It's, it smelled really bad. It uh, was draining this kind of sense of being on edge all the time. And that's, you know, without any kind of expectation of danger, really. And what would it be like with actual monsters uh, you really would have to be crazy town to go into a dungeon filled with monsters and traps. Hi Joe, um, cave-in story for you. I've been into caves a few times, just the normal touristy stuff, but one time I actually went proper caving in Derbyshire. I was about 15, we descended about 25, 30 feet, I'd say down a 6-inch wide roll-up wire ladder. Uh, that they use for caving and a few of the observations are yes it's pitch dark it's a, there was a lot of water in this particular cave a constant kind of dripping and sloshing but it wasn't particularly cold in fact it was quite warm the worst thing is the way they take you through um, tight passages where you know if you don't remain calm you're going to thrash around and you're just going to get stuck. And when someone in front of you gets stuck, that's even worse. And you've got to believe me when I say we're talking about tight passages. Imagine you're crawling along kind of on your stomach and your elbows with, with your knees out uh, like a kind of commando crawl. A lot of these passages you feel you can only just get your helmet you've got like a hard hat helmet with a light on and it's quite bulky and you know the passage doesn't feel much wider than that you've got this belt on with a battery pack and that's constantly snagging on rocks and every time that snags you sort of uh, there's an uprising of a little uprising of panic and all the time you're trying to keep it keep it together um, it, it was a proper adventure, but I don't know, man. I wouldn't be in a big rush to do it again. I've also been to, like, smugglers' caves and mines, but a, a particularly interesting place worth a visit to anybody in the UK is Dover Castle. Underneath Dover Castle, there's a massive network of tunnels and passages. I believe they date back to uh, the Napoleonic Wars, and then different sections were expanded as time marched on. There's a whole area related to the Cold War. But the World War II section, there's a, a kind of underground hospital facility. And, and that was pretty amazing. It's really eerie to walk about. They've reconstructed it so it's in the manner it would have been at the time. But, man... Uh, really really interesting and a major kind of feat of engineering 
Take care. Catch you later, man. Hey, Joe. It's Jules from NZ. Um, so here in New Zealand, or here in Wellington especially, there's this really cool um, old, like, wartime bunker up on what we call Battle Hill. Um, and on, um, like, long weekends and stuff, they open it up and they provide you with guides so that you can kind of walk through and not get lost because it is crazy spooky under there. Everything is, like, dark and like locked down and stuff and that's really cool um the other thing I've done is over in London when I was there I'm absolutely fascinated by Jack the Ripper and I did one of those Jack the Ripper walks or whatever and they take you into the crazy underground of London and like what London is built on top of and that not only scared the crap out of me but like was a really cool indication of like what a dungeon crawl could be so yeah I've done a couple Good episodes. Cheers. Hey, Joe, uh, just responding to your question about um, dungeon-like environments. I was fortunate enough to grow up about a mile and a half away from a place called Coal House Fort, which was built in the 1860s and um, was decommissioned just after the Second World War. And it was a big, quite an ugly structure, big old uh, lump of granite and cast iron. And uh, inside, um, I was, you know, I did actually get to go inside, although it wasn't open to the public at the time. And uh, yeah, very intimidating in there. Uh, Very little uh, light coming into the building. And um, certainly very dungeon-like. Uh, this thing was built on the banks of the Thames um, because there was a bit of tension between Britain and France at the time. Uh, so it was built for, you know, to, to defend against um, invaders. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I did get inside it once. Um, but... Uh, I didn't venture too far in there. I was only about 10 or 11. It was, um, you know, just a network of tunnels and rooms and very dark and intimidating. There was also said to be a whole kind of network of tunnels under the ground surrounding it because there were these bunkers and concrete outposts like a guardhouse and stuff like that. And... um, yeah, never got to explore that sort of stuff because, well, didn't have any torches or anything like that. So, uh, yeah. And if you want to get an idea of what this thing looked like, it was actually used to film some scenes in Batman Begins. There's a section where Bruce Wayne is in prison and that is all filmed in the interior of the fort. There's like a courtyard inside it. And um, Warner Brothers generously donated some money which allowed it to be restored and open to the public. And now it's a bit of a museum in there. But um, uh, yeah, obviously uh, it's not the same now it's open to the public. Uh, But uh, I must go in there one day and have a good look around. Now it's all lit up. Anyway, great episode. Take care, man. Hey Joe, Jason here. 
Um, I have been in a number of caves. Caves are interesting. I've also been in abandoned bunkers, kind of like the one you're talking about. And, and that was definitely also very interesting. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely it would be, you know, Jeff talked in that podcast, Was Evil Jeff. He talked quite a bit about, like, torchlight and how, you know, light wouldn't work very well. And, and I think that's definitely right, especially the kind of crappy torches we think of. So, you, you know, I, I really don't think torches give near the light they're given in games. But, yeah, that, that's an awesome topic, and I, I look forward to hearing what other people have to say about it. Hi, Joe. It's Gordon Senchman here. So I just listened to your latest episode about the um, spider cultists, and I'm just sort of picking up your um, the gauntlet, the thrown down gauntlet about the most dungeony place you ever been to. As a kid, I lived on an island called New Britain in the Pacific Ocean, uh, which is part of Papua New Guinea. Um, and uh, the island, I, the place I lived in, was actually uh, the main World War Two Japanese base in the Pacific. And that place was a crazy place, but suffice to say, there was a lot of uh, Japanese tunnels dug all over the place. And uh, we used to go into these caves and explore around. And in one particular cave, there was a a Japanese soldier still slumped over his machine gun in you know in his helmet and all the rest of it. We used to go down and poke him. So that'd probably be my uh, my submission to to the most dungeony place. Cheers for that bike. I just had so much fun and got so much inspiration after going back through and listening to all of those stories again thank you thank you all so so very much uh yeah like i i want to say stuff about each one of yours so i'm gonna do that and then i'll go into my overall thoughts so rob first there's nothing there's nothing useless about drunk idiot stories man (laughs) nothing at all but yeah dude the points you brought up there at the end of your message were fantastic man like and that was a running theme going throughout all of them uh was the lighting and stuff but we'll get more to that later uh who was next i think it was colin dude you almost gave me a friggin' asthma attack when you were describing going squeezing through those tight little passageways and tunnels man where if you just freaked out just for a second things were bad or even worse if the person in front of you freaked out then oh god that was rough awesome awesome stuff uh after Colin was Jules Jules dude if you ever come out to Seattle we also have an underground tour here because Seattle is built on top of uh old Seattle that burned down. So it's a really cool tour. There is a spooky tour you can go on where they take you to haunted spots underground. There's like the adult tour where they, you can, they give you drinks and you go to like speakeasies and old brothels and stuff. It's, it's really cool. I can't wait for you to come out here and check it out because I think you'll, I think you'll really like it. Uh, who is next? Spencer, dude, I uh, watched some of the clips from Batman because I, I just wanted to refresh my memory. And God damn, that place looks insane, dude. Like, that would have been so cool to crawl around in as a little kid. You know, well, not, I mean, not as a little kid, but like, you know, when you were in there, 10, 11, 12, whatever. 
that would have been amazing. So thank you for sharing that. Who was after? Oh, it was Jason, dude. Yeah, man. Uh, bunkers and stuff. They're they're just gnarly. There's some about, it. and that's a common theme too, that I want to touch on in a second. Where most of these places that folks have been talking about were built for military purposes. Yeah. So thank you for that. And uh, dude. Goblin's henchman, man. I had to save yours for last. You saw a goddamn actual real life skeleton down there and guns and shit. That is gnarly. Does it surprise me coming from you? No. Am I surprised that you grew up for a time on a remote Pacific island? Not in the least bit, man. Like, I, we need more of henchmen stories out there. So please put some more out, dude. They are fantastic. <laughs> Right, so what are my takeaways? Well, I mean, I think the first and obvious one is the lighting situation, which I put out an episode really early on about called Is It Better to Do It in the Dark or something like that. But yeah, uh, like Jason, like Jason mentioned, I think we give torches, especially those shitty medieval torches, way too much credit. Like I, in like low fantasy gaming, I was looking and they put out light in a 30 foot radius. So I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I think that's way, way, way too much. Um, I don't think they put out anywhere near that much. And so I think I think we got to start and pose it. We got to start. What who the fuck am I talking to? Anyway, <laughs> what I think I'm going to start doing is you know if they're down in the dungeon like perception checks looking for like spot checks listen checks whatever kind of checks you're made those kind of checks either made at disadvantage or at some sort of penalty because yeah if if you just have a torch down there especially if you just have one character in a group of three or four carrying a torch and nobody else is yeah like that that's got to be a penalty and like rob pointed out it, hearing is even hard down there like the way the sound echoes off the walls in the caverns and the corridors wherever you're in you're not going to really be able to hear so trying to like yeah just trying to find that stuff would be much 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 harder than i think we make it so that's something I, I definitely want to I want to focus on. And the other thing that uh, showed up was that most of these places that were mentioned in the stories are military forts, old military forts. So like that just gives me a lot more, you know, of a way, a different way to think about dungeon designs and stuff. Because I don't see a lot of, I mean, I'm, there are, but I don't see a lot of dungeon designs that are like old abandoned military structures. Like, yeah, when you're going through the ruins of a castle, sure. But like, I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm trying to say there. I just, <laughs> I see a lot of dungeons that are just dungeons. This dungeon is here. Uh, I, I think I'll, when I start doing more of that and fleshing out my world more and putting in more dungeons, I'm going to, uh, 
uh, do focus more on like abandoned military forts and you know abandoned bunkers and that kind of stuff and just just another takeaway is the overall just oppressiveness of that environment of being surrounded by darkness by stone close quarters the air is probably stale or maybe there's like you know there might be a breeze down there if there are natural caverns and stuff but it might be cold it might be hot like colin pointed out or at least warm if you're in an enclosed space underground it could be warm it might not necessarily be cold the presence of water if it's natural uh yeah just just but just that feeling of almost helplessness like where you know things could go bad in a hurry and that's without traps and monsters (laughs) think about that like rob mentioned imagine if you were in those places that we talked about and that you heard about today and there were actual monsters down there or traps i don't know which one is worse i don't know which like Monsters move around and they might be smart, but traps are smarter almost because they were set. I I don't fucking know, but either one of them would suck to come across in one of those environments. And on top of that, you're trying to sneak, you're trying to be quiet and you're wearing armor and you have weapons and you have torches, right? Like, can there be any stealth checks in a dungeon if someone in the party is carrying a torch can that even happen i don't know i don't think so like i don't know if you can sneak up on someone if you have a light source that sheds light in a 30 foot radius so a 60 foot diameter man that's crazy um so i don't know but that brings it back to the point Well, not the point, but what I mentioned in my earlier episode on lighting and stuff, is it, is it worth it? That's a lot of bookkeeping. I mean, I guess, is it a lot of bookkeeping though? So back then I said it was, now maybe it's not. Now maybe it's just all these checks are disadvantages. You can't make stealth checks in a dungeon unless you have no light source and then have fun moving around in pitch blackness. But then, is that is that fun? I mean, it's a type of fun. It goes to the whole thing that Shea Webster has been talking about on why you play. You know, why why you play role-playing games. That is absolutely a much more simulist point of view. Uh, but is it, I don't know, Is it? would that be fun for me? I think it might be fun for me. Would it be fun for my players? I don't know, probably not so much. It sucks to suck. Uh, so just a lot of, a lot of stuff to think about and thank you all so much for calling in. Like I seriously, this I think is the most useful episode I've put out, uh, in my podcast, you know, short podcasting anchor career. Um, and mostly because of you, like, (laughs) because you guys all had rad shit to say and cool stories to tell. So, yeah. Thank you to Jules, to Colin, to Spencer, to Jason, to Goblin's Henchmen, uh, and to Rob, man, 
thank you, thank you, thank you all so much. I'm glad I remembered everyone. Uh, this is the first take on this, so good for me. <laughs> anyway, check out their shows. They're fantastic, each and every one of them. Really, honestly, I do listen to every one of their shows on a regular basis as soon as they come out. Uh, thank you all so much. Uh, I think that's it for now. So let me get out of here before I keep rambling. Anyway, until we talk again, peace out. A couple things I want to bring up here right before we go. Uh, in there, I think I said simulist when I should have said simulationist. And I was talking about Shea Webster's podcast, but I didn't even mention his podcast. So he's got the podcast, Roleplay Rescue. Great podcast. And lastly, I want to talk about the fact that I said honestly. I hate when I say honestly. I don't like it when other people say honestly. I mean, because why do you say honestly? Does that mean everything else I said wasn't honest. Like I, uh, it slips out. Sometimes I don't intentionally do it. Uh, but I just wanted to point that out because it irritates the shit out of me. And I notice it when I said it. So anyway, folks, okay. Later. <laughs>